Hey, it's Pete. A familiar voice, hopefully. Uh, anyway, I want to take a quick moment to highlight the amazing work of the team here at Your Money Line. A few years ago, we noticed this weird, nasty trend that people had financial questions, they had challenges, they had this missing piece to their financial puzzle, and they weren't getting the answers. So then they get stuck, they get paralyzed, and they wouldn't take action, and their financial life would meander and loiter in a bad place. So that's why we created this place. Uh, we have an employee benefit company, and it's called Your Money Line, and that's what it does. We help companies succeed by improving the financial lives of their most valuable asset. Not their break room, their employees. Everything we talk about is confidential. And you get access to a certified financial expert to get all your money questions answered, big or small. That's Your Money Line. So bring Your Money Line to your company. Check us out at yourmoneyline.com or any of the social networks you happened to deal with on a regular basis. Good day to you. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner show, we answer your money questions. Dame, oh, Damien Dunn joins me in the studio. Um, hi. Hey. So it turns out that I'm not good at sound engineering this show. Don't be so hard on yourself. It's not like we had to basically scrap a whole show and start over. It wasn't the whole show. It was half the show. I said basically. Hi, everybody. Here's how the show works. It doesn't. <laughs> the show doesn't work. <laughs> I'm Peter Dunn. I'm the CEO of Your Money Line and Hey Money. This is Damian Dunn. He's the vice president of advice for Your Money Line, and I guess by extension, Hey Money. We haven't really considered that. Anyway, what we do is we answer financial questions. That is our jam. That is what we live to do is to help you understand things so you can move on with your life. We don't really have anything to sell you. We don't want to manage your investments. We don't want you to pay us thousands of dollars a year. That's not what we do. I will say this, though. Uh, Your Money Line is an employee benefit where uh, employers pay for our services, and we help solve the financial problems that fester in the financial lives of those that serve the organization. But we are launching Hey Money within about a week or two. Hey Money is our consumer version of that, where uh, you can have access to a financial expert who will guide you through things for about 200 bucks a year. Yeah. My goal was to solve the large gap in the financial services uh, when it came to people just have questions and want answers at a reasonable price. So that's what we do. If you want to be one of the first people to get it, go to PeteThePlanner.com slash HeyMoney. We are launching to that list first. PeteThePlanner.com slash HeyMoney. Dame, first question this week is from a guy named Jake. Good day, mates. Mm. Mm, I love that. My wife, a CPA, and I, a corporate finance manager, make $135,000 and $120,000 respectively per year, excluding any bonuses. Now, Dame, depending on where they live in the country, we like to call that good money. Yes. And, you know, I would argue even there's only a couple places that makes it okay money. Yeah. Yeah. San Francisco makes it okay money. Coastals. Yeah, coastal. Manhattan makes it okay money. Yeah. Southern California, I'd be on the, you know, depends on where. Mm -hmm. Uh, She is maxing out her 401k, and I'm currently putting 11% into mine, and I'm increasing it 2% per year. I'm only at about 20K in my 401k, and she has about $50,000. That's not as much as I thought, given what they've told us already. Right. So that, to me, means they're young. Mm-hmm. We don't have a mortgage currently renting at $2,100 a month. Okay. 
We both have student loans of about $35,000 each and car payments totaling $700 a month. She is 33 and I am 36 years old and we are located in Southern California. Hmm. Okay, so those two last pieces of information, Dame, they're informative. They are. Quite a bit. Uh, The age is, I'm not going to say surprising because we deal with people every day. But based on the 401k balances and the age and some of the other stuff they've got going on, um, possibly a late start. Late start. And I will say this. So far, I I like a lot of what's going on. Like really, really like it. But this is indicative of a couple, a person who who had a delay. There was like a three or four year delay. There was something. Maybe somebody was in the military. There was something here (laughs) that delayed it, you know. Uh, they're in Southern California, which again puts us on the fence in terms of whether that income <laughs> matters, which is a really gross thing to say. They're looking to purchase an investment property financed as our primary home. Between our regular bank accounts and our home purchase savings accounts, we have about $45,000 saved. We also each have a few thousand in brokerage accounts to dabble into the stocks. We'd like to purchase a condo that's about one and a half hours away from our home for about 235000 Ks putting 5% down on a 30-year fixed mortgage, but plan to pay it off early as excess cash is available. Payment for all costs would be about $1,800 a month. We're also planning on having a child if we're able to. We may need to spend twenty k on IVF this year and start to incur the monthly costs of a newborn. I do have to point out that Jake in his email spells newborn uh, two words. And so I would say... Okay. You know, let's not be critical. <laughs> just kidding. Come on. I don't know. I just I almost skipped over it. I was, anyway, we would be able to do either uh, to do a short term rental using something like Airbnb for about 150 bucks a night on weekends for three to four weekends per month, or we could rent this long term for approximately sixteen hundred dollars a month. My wife is concerned whether we'll have the cash flow to make this work. We're both safe in our positions with our companies if the market takes a turn, and expect to grow our wages at a minimum five to 10% per year for the foreseeable future. Here's my question. Is it a good idea to make this home purchase or would you suggest we do something else with our cash flow? She's very adamant about paying off her student loans within the next two years, but I'm more for paying double the regular payment and using the excess cash on investment property to start building a portfolio. Thank you, Jake. Uh, all right, Dame. First of all, I, th- there is stability right now. Seems to be. There is short-term stability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's look at it this way. There's short-term stability. Is there long-term stability? Uh, they are funding their 401ks. Appropriately. Uh, appropriately. And this was, they're maxing one out and putting 12 11, per, 11% but increasing at 2% per year. Um, they've got a, a, a nice, uh, they call it, see, they call it... Um, I guess it'd be short-term stability, but the uh, uh, house savings account and, and their and, bank and their bank it totals forty-five. Totals for- that makes me nervous because that means the emergency funds in there. Yeah, so I I think the short term might be a little bit more in flux than than what we might have given it credit for up front. If they want to use a big chunk of that five percent down on a two hundred and some thousand dollar house, I think they said and twenty thousand for IVF, fertility. Yeah, so they're gonna wipe that out really quick unless they can cash flow. Uh, IVF or, or anything like that uh, as well. So um, I, I think the potential for short-term and long-term stability is there if we can prioritize 
what needs to happen. How about midterm stability? Um, I don't see any. No, not really. I mean, they've they've got some some things that are outstanding. They've still got seventy ish thousands of dollars of of student loan debt, roughly. I think it's at thirty some each that, that they've got. Which, by the way, they could easily take care of them before they buy the house. I would recommend they get that student loan under well, control. It was car loans were thirty thousand each. We don't know the student loan balances. No, I thought they gave us the car loan payments, but the student loan balances. No, we're about to we're about to see who listens. Well, let's be honest. Place your bets, folks. I think I know who I'm going with. I'm betting on you as well. Um, okay, we both have student loans of about thirty-five thousand hmm. dollars each in car maintenance. Who said that? That's right, I did. So they've got about seventy thousand dollars in student loans. Which, if the wife is, uh, if Mrs. Jake is already concerned about cash flow, it would make her feel tremendously better to get that taken care of before you start throwing uh, other obligations at your monthly. Obligations? No, that doesn't work. I don't like the move. I don't like it. I oh. think it would cause undue stress. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's a reasonable move, not right now. Reasonable move if the student loans weren't there. Mm-hmm. Reasonable move if you weren't a potentially about to drop twenty on IVF. Mm-hmm. And what what else we don't know is how your lifestyle is going to change if IVF is successful and you welcome a new bundle of joy or more into the world at this point. Uh, maybe uh, maybe you decide one of you wants to stay home. What I, happens? I do have to point something out. Now, I am not a doctor of, you know, parts. Mm-hmm. You know? But I can just say, from what I know, stress is not a good aphrodisiac when it comes to fertility. No. And so I feel like if the goal is to start a family, whether it be IVF or otherwise, and, and you want stress relatively a ro- uh, low around that topic, the answer is not to increase your stress from a financial perspective because financial stress is about the worst stress you can have. Yes. So I say no. Whether Jake lets his uh, significant other listen to this podcast, no one knows. Do it, Jake. Jake, you're a smart guy. You guys have got a lot of stability, but I would not do it. And now I want to know what was the delay three, four-year delay. Anyway, coming up after the break, more of the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. Stop what you're doing and hit Pete up on Twitter at Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner Show. Segment two, number two, second time we've done segment two because I am not a sound engineer. Not everybody can be everything, Pete. That's okay. Well, I'm hoping to be something. Me too. Dear Pete, can you settle a debate that I've been having with my co-worker? How do you pronounce that? Co-worker. For the last five years. He claims my 401k should be more diversified than the S&P 500, while I believe the S&P 500 is itself diversified given its 500 different holdings. His 401k account has around six different funds, it doesn't make sense to me to be that diversified. Who's right? If it's me, I'll send him a link to your answer. Hmm. Mark. Uh, Dame, I also uh, answered this question in the IndianapolisBusinessJournal.com. IBJ.com. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. that's right. Search it out. IBJ.com. Uh, okay, so Dame, here's the thing. Having a large number of financial holdings is in itself 
diversity, uh, a diversification of money, but it's not a diversification of styles. So my concern for Mark is, and this is Mark where I'm just going to tell you you're wrong, the S&P 500 is not diverse enough to be your only holding. Has it done well in the last five years? Oh, yeah. Have you stomped your coworkers' performance? Yes. If the market turns, who's in trouble? Probably Mark. Mark is in trouble. So this is the thing. Mark, you're wrong. However, for the last five years, you've been able to claim you're right. But you're wrong. Yeah, it's it's a difficult thing to wrap your head around sometimes because we have a, a recency bias, a lot of us, that so we just look uh, fairly short-term behind us and say, man, this is killing it. Why is this not a good idea? And well, it's because we haven't we haven't seen a really rough market in uh, about a decade at this point. But let me tell you, when that goes down, you don't want to be in the S and P five hundred one hundred percent. No, no. I mean, like I'm okay to get a little bit less than the market it gives. Yeah. But when the market takes, I want I want less taken from me. Yeah, absolutely, and. You and I both have higher risk tolerances, especially um, at this point in our lives, in our backgrounds. We're just okay with assuming that kind of risk at this stage in our lives. Now, if you and I have this conversation in 20 years, let's have this conversation in 20 years. Yeah. Our portfolios are going to be constructed entirely differently, I I would guess. I'm willing to say right now, if if this year the market just gets hammered. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I care for different reasons, but I don't care as to how it affects my investments themselves. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Do you? I mean, if, if the market dumped out 35% this year, would you at all care about how it personally affects your portfolio? Um, you want to know really what some people probably think is a perverse view on this? No, it's a good view. I'm, I'm, I, I agree, and I already know what you're going to say. I'm okay because I'm buying a lot more at a cheaper price. Yeah, right, right. And that's not perverse. I think it's just how the market works. Well, I, I, do, I agree. It's not perverse. Yeah. But I think a lot of people would say, why in the world would you be, I don't want to say. But wishing for it to go wishing down. Wishing for it to go down. But if, if you had a, a choice to go buy some, a, a, a material possession that you really coveted for 35% off. Like a fur coat? Sure. How jo- are there still fur coat stores? Joe Namath fur coat? Do you realize there's fur coat stores, sir? Like, and I don't, I'm not anti-fur. I, I don't really care. I just don't feel like they're out of... Where, in Midtown? <laughs> no. There's fur <laughs> coats uh, in Keystone, the crossings in... Uh, really? In India. Yes. I didn't I think know there's still that. one, of course, in Carmel, too. I think there's one there. Huh. Who's buying fur coats? Like, who's buying enough fur coats to pay the rent? I... When's the last time you saw someone with what looked to be a new fur coat? No, man. Which is is to say it's a freshly dead animal as opposed to one that has been dead for a while. A freshly dead animal? Well, yeah, if it's a new fur coat, theoretically it had been manufactured more recently than an older dead animal. Yeah, I no, I don't I I can't tell you the last time I saw anybody with a fur coat on. It's fur murder. <laughs> oh. <laughs> If you're just joining us here on the Pete the Planner show, we answer your financial questions. So the S&P 500 is in itself diversified, but not diversified enough to consider yourself to have a diversified portfolio because the 500 companies within the S&P 500 
are all pretty much the same. They're all domestically located. Well, actually, there's about 1% that mm-hmm. is considered to be not be. Uh, and then they're all large companies between growth and value mm-hmm. uh, you know, classes. But they're all the same. There's, you got to mix it up, man. Yeah, and don't confuse diversification with allocation. Um, you know, your allocation is going to be roughly your investment strategy, how much in stocks, how much in bonds. Are you going to have any alternative investments, anything like that? But then you start looking at each of those sections that you decided you want to uh, appropriate money to, and that's where you get into diversification. And you can't have everything just sitting in one stock, or even, I would argue, 500 stocks that fall under the wrapper of the S&P 500 because they're just not different enough. What do you make of this idea that a person can be objectively wrong and succeed during that time frame of being wrong and then the idea that they can claim that they were actually right the entire time because of the level of success. Isn't that a little, a little nutty? It's, it's true in investing, by the yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you're taking <laughs> a lot of times um, mutual fund companies or um, you know, investment companies, when they present their results or they present their performance, they do it in a very strategic way to make them look as good as possible. Of course. This is a similar idea. You're, you're not going far enough back. If you were to look at the S&P 500 over um, you know, different time periods, not just the last 10 years, and then look at the performance of the portfolio that you're comparing it to, the S&P 500 is probably, honestly, still might beat it. Do you have that updated sheet that we do every year, and did you fix my mistakes on it? Yeah, I fixed it. Can you pull it up? Probably. In two minutes? You're asking a lot, but let me see what I can do. Yeah, so we'll take a look at that, because it'll sort of shed light on the performance that the S&P 500 has had essentially since March of 2009, Right. which has essentially been a, a rocket ship up. It was a rocket ship with a P. Why did that go that way real quick? Okay, here we go. All right. Uh, print, pulling it up. Loading now. What did the S&P 500 do in 2019? 2019, the S&P 500, scrolling, scrolling, went too far. It's great radio. This is going well. Yeah, uh, 2019, S&P 500, 30.43%. Okay. Who would not be satisfied with that? However, 2018? Yeah. Negative 4%. Okay. Okay. Now, what the guy is saying, Mark, is like he said. Okay. Well, hey, look, if I'll get minus four, and then I'll take the thirty next year, I'm good. What's it matter? Right. But, but I guess what we're saying is diversification isn't for the down four years. It's for the what was what's the give me an ugly year. Uh, that would be two thousand eight, negative thirty six and a half. Okay. So Mark would get. I mean, I don't like big words. Slaughtered. Yeah. In that, I mean, just destroyed. And yeah. by the way, since his strategy of being in the S&P 500 only is so poor, what's the likelihood that he would make a mistake trying to fix that? That's what we haven't even talked about. Yeah, absolutely. When you've got a bad strategy that's not informed and then something goes wrong, then you're going to adopt another bad strategy to fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, telling people they're wrong is not always fun, but hopefully he'll diversify a little bit. Hope so. Do you have a blend on there? Do you have the blend? Yeah, 60-40 blend. Uh, last 10 years, 9.6%. Uh, this year, 21.73. A 60-40 blend got you 21% this year? 
2019? Yeah. Blend, y'all. Blend. 60 yeah. stock, 40 bonds. Consult your financial advisor. Coming up after the break, I don't know what we're going to talk about. i got to find a question. But at least the mics work. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the show. Listen up. Now it's time to ask Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Dame, got a question here. Good. If you want to email us, email us. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. That's ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Don't forget if you want to be on the early launch list for Hey Money, which is uh, access to our group of financial geniuses, go to PeteThePlanner.com slash Hey Money, all one word, PeteThePlanner.com slash Hey Money. That's H-E-Y hey. money. Hey, PTP. Have to ask, and not to sound like a boomer, I'm not, I'm 53, but conversation with my sister and her 19-year-old has a money problem. Like, for example, he didn't know how a credit card worked. By the way, I read this question earlier in the week. I've never, what I'm about to say to you, Dame, I've never in my life considered, ever. Are you ready? Okay, hold on. You have my interest. This is interesting to me because I've always argued that financial literacy at school, the the there's a desire for financial literacy at school, mm-hmm. which I which I get. And I've always argued that financial literacy really is about arming people against poor corporate ethics. That's sort of my spin on it. It's 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 pretty cut and dry. Spend less than you make, mm-hmm. don't borrow money, and then you know don't let lenders take advantage of you. Until I read this, he asked. What happens when you hit your limit? Do you just get more? Also, he kept overdrafting a debit card, $35 each overdraft for going over on a $4 purchase. Are there any basic videos or books or podcasts to explain how banking and money works? How can Indiana get a law to teach this? Thanks, Pete, Dave. Okay, so where I'm, where I'm fascinated is he asked what happens when you hit your limit. Do you just get more? <laughs> it's interesting, but I mean, like... Do you think that belief of a 19-year-old, you know, we talked, I think, last week, maybe, about how people struggle with the word no. Mm-hmm. I, maybe I, was like, I wrote a column about it. I don't think we talked about it. But people hate hearing no. Mm-hmm. And pretty much in our society today, when it comes to, to finances and consumerism, it's actually difficult to hear no because there's so many ways that you can create a past by getting debt. Sure. Do you think just the fundamental misunderstanding of how that works is based on that idea uh, that that a 19 year old in today in 2020 hears no so much less than when you and I were 19 back in 1997? I think um, that's part of that, and I think that no doesn't always have the same meaning to. Kids now than it did to to us. I mean, if if your parents told you no, there was a good likelihood that whatever you asked for or whatever was being considered wasn't going to happen. Now almost seems like just give me a minute and we'll figure out how to do it, even if it's not in anybody's best interest. Yeah, I I remember I've talked about this on the show before. Vivid memory talking to a client back when I was a financial advisor about her wanting to take her family to Disney. Mm-hmm. And it made no financial sense. I mean, they were in a bad spot, a very stress stressful spot. And this would have made their situation 
unbelievably worse. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, you can't put a price on memories. And I was like, you know, that is, that is true, but there actually is a price to generate those memories, and it's something you can't afford. She's like, well, we can still make the purchase whether we can afford it or not. And that, my friend... <laughs> Was uh, was that the end of or the beginning of the end um, of my career? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I actually I don't know. They, she stopped working with me after that. Right. I, I meant the relationship yeah. between you and that client. Well, I mean that's a whole other story. When people ask you for your advice, you give it to them, and they don't want to do it. So then they ask you what your next best piece of advice is. Yeah. Uh, isn't that is so? So I think that all plays into this idea of that no is harder to get to now. Do you remember in the 2004 2005 time frame where everyone was buying homes? Mm -hmm. Did you buy a home during that time frame by any chance? So 2004 right, to 2007, right before. Okay. No, you know what? It was. It was 2004. Yeah. Even if someone said no, or you're not a good candidate to be a buyer, you could go down the street and someone would tell you yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, the mortgage process was a joke at that point. I mean, people who didn't have any reasonable way to pay for homes were getting approved, and it was a disaster. Well, you've seen The Big Short, of yeah. course, and, and probably read the book. But uh, in, the, in the movie, there's a scene where a, a dancer, an mm -hmm. entertainer, uh, is able to buy several homes. Mm -hmm. uh, and the bank was like, yeah, sure, whatever. It doesn't matter. I think this all plays into the question that the emailer sent. This is the idea of when people don't understand what happens when you hit your credit limit. I think it's because people grow up not hearing no. I mean, that, that it's look, it's a harebrained theory, but it's my harebrained theory, and it doesn't make it true. It doesn't mean people listening have to agree with it. I, I just, from what I've seen in the last twenty years of doing this, the absence of no has led to a lot of financial behavior issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and we're not even talking about the people who just don't take no's well. <laughs> With totally different topic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but just haven't heard it or, or been impacted by a true no. This is, um, it's a big deal because if you leave youth and, and college or whatever time frame you want to put on it, and you haven't had to experience delayed gratification or working to obtain something, you have primed yourself for big problems. Doesn't this go back to what we were saying in the last segment about doing something wrong consistently and still having it work and then finding out that what you were doing all along was the wrong yeah. way despite the fact that it did work? It's the same thing. Yeah. If you're living this lifestyle in which... You just keep going, even though it's a bad idea, but there's really no pain in it until there is. Mm -hmm. It means that period of time, which you looked back on and thought was fine, really wasn't. Yeah, not living on a budget. Yeah, well, it's always been you, fine. We have, we've never needed one. You, you can get away with it for sometimes a long time. Four decades. Yeah. I, I've seen people get away without having a budget until the day they retire, yeah. honestly. Which is a challenge, right? Because you talk about teaching an old dog new tricks. Mm -hmm. Try to try to show someone how to to diet their money. Yeah. After forty years of just blind consumption, just assuming it works. Yeah, that's oh man, that's a weird connection between the two segments. I was thinking investment, but but it actually plays a little bit better 
when it comes to consumerism. Oh yeah, this is a this is a big behavioral issue. Yeah. Oh, you've got to see that a lot. Your team sees that every day. Absolutely. And here's the thing: we're not shaming it. No. <laughs> I mean, we're not saying, "Oh, dummies." It, it, it's a problem, and that you have to to take time to unwind yourself from. Look, I I can't say that my relationship with food is any different than that. I've been able to get away to some degree, my pants might disagree <laughs> with, <laughs> with some pretty gross eating habits, you yeah. know? And, and at what point does, you know, a stent going into my chest, uh, have forced me to change that, you know? Yeah. That was a pleasant thought. Well, I mean, it's the truth though. The truth is not always pleasant. I, I think, so look, we didn't answer this person's question. What, what are the chances of getting financial literacy in the schools? I mean, I think in your econ course or government or some social studies, you're supposed to study some of that. I have no idea the, you know, how any of that works. I just know this. People model what they see at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I know. Yeah. I, a, a lot of schools, um, if this writer's from Indiana, oh, they are because I said yeah. Indiana, um, have JA curriculums, um, and they try and implement some personal financial literacy type stuff sure. in there. Um, I know that uh, as you get higher uh, in, in school, potentially up to uh, – up to your senior year, uh, the instructor has a lot more latitude, and uh, sometimes a really good one will uh, augment the curriculum with some personal finance stuff that'll really matter to the kids. People model the behavior they see at home. But that's the key. When we go out to eat and I order, I'd say, may I have a chicken sandwich? And when my kids order, they say, may I have Mm -hmm. a quesadilla? That is modeled behavior, and it's the same for money. And by chicken sandwich, I meant fried chicken sandwich with fries. Okay, coming up after the break. The biggest waste of money of the week in current events. I'm Pete the Planner, and uh, this is still the show. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the most popular personal finance show in central Indiana. Yes. We were talking during the break. It's like, <laughs> it's probably true. I have no metrics around it because all of the other shows, people pay to have on so they can sell you things. So, I, I mean, I'm just going to say people don't like being sold stuff. So ours is the most popular. Nobody else has metrics either. So we might as well just claim it. Well, no, you know how I feel about that. There are two pers- big personal finance personalities that on their Twitter bios at various times have had the phrase most trusted personal financial expert yeah. in America, both of them. Yeah. And I think that's really funny. To call yourself trusted is a weird thing. So shouldn't you just claim like the second most trusted? And have, just, uh... You and I have talked about this before. I'm going to try to talk about something that is going to get us in trouble without getting us in too much trouble. This will be fun. Okay, because this got me upset randomly yesterday. Okay, you and I both, there's a, there's a particular personality out there, mm-hmm. okay? And another speaker slash personality that didn't necessarily have anything to do with money worked for this personality. Mm-hmm. And when that relationship ended and the sub-personality went elsewhere, the main personality kept the web domain of the person's name and if you go to that person's name, it goes to the main person's site. The person stole, contractually or otherwise, the person's name. It's incredibly petty. That makes me so mad. Look, I can be petty. <laughs> but that <laughs> it makes me so mad. Yeah. 
that makes me feel so many bad things. Dame, I, I'm if let's say part of, of your work here is you took DamienDunn.com. I don't know if you own it or not, and you brought it here, and and it made sense to redirect to what we do, and then you left here, dude. Have it back. Yeah, I find that to be. Why are we talking about this? Why am I doing this? Do you feel the way I feel? Uh, y- yeah, are we singing a song? Or no? Yeah, of course I feel it's it's a horrible situation. I I can't fathom either being that person that would say that or listening to an attorney that would tell me that that's in my best interest. Well, as I've talked to the person that this happened to, yeah, I I know the person. Uh, he's not that mad about it anymore because he's had to accept it. But it would bother me every day I woke up. He's a better person than I am. Oh, he's a much better. He's done fine for himself. Let's, yeah. Better looking, Boy, too. that was cryptic. It's probably not that cryptic. Well, some people know. I don't think it's common knowledge. Uh, and Unless you Google that person's name and click the link and go, what in the world am I doing? All right, so this is a little Easter egg for us on the show this week. I'll set it up. Yeah. Major personal finance personality mm-hmm. who has various experts or personalities mm-hmm. under them. Formerly, what, four or five years ago, maybe, Probably. there was a personality, a, a, a writer of sort, a, a content person who, you know, spoke and worked under the mantle of this main person. Then the person went on on their own, and the main personality kept their name, his website. And if you go there, then the per- main personality tries to yeah. sell you books. Yeah. That bothers me. I think if you can find it and send us the right answer, we do a giveaway and we send, a, send somebody something nice, like a... Thank you, Kurt. Yeah, I wonder how many people will know. This. If you know this, by the way, you, of course, email us, ask Pete yeah. at PeteThePlanner.com or hit us on Twitter, at PeteThePlanner. Please don't tag the people involved. <laughs> I mean, you could... Yeah, just don't. don't I'm not don't. trying to start... I'm not trying to start a feud. And, and by the way, Dame, here's the thing. We don't know what really happened. We don't. We have no idea. We just know... But on the surface, with the facts that we have, if anyone here... If I, if I decided to buy domains or make it contractually part of... You came here, your domain became part of our business. When you left, I'm just saying it. So for the whole world, you can have your name back. Thank you. Not the last name. I'm keeping that. Okay. <laughs> this week's biggest waste of money of the week. Why did I do that? I don't know, but it was fun. Am I going to regret that? Not, I don't care. Not, it's wrong. Not immediately. Well, no, I'm not immediate. I mean, what, what's going to happen? <laughs> Didn't name any names. Uh, the Caviar Cyberphone. <laughs> just sounds like a horrible idea. The design of Tesla's forthcoming Cybertruck is so... My kids want a Cybertruck so bad, then they don't realize, well, anything, but... Yeah. It's so striking that it has inspired everything from homes to Lego sets. Smartphones can now be added to that list. The Caviar Cyberphone is an Apple iPhone 11 Pro given a dramatic Tesla-like overhaul. The back of the phone is switched to an angular PVD-coated titanium panel... Well, the screen itself is covered by a titanium panel that folds back to serve as a built-in stand. All other specs remain the same, including the outstanding cameras, the various storage capacities, and the option for a larger Max version. Dame, I'm going to see if I can show this to you here without like messing it. Can you see? Yeah. I've got a, okay. Do you want to guess how much that costs? Um, three grand. Try $5,250 for what is a phone case. Yeah. My wife just uh, threw some shade at me for being proud of myself that I haven't updated my phone in two years. Oh, what, what did she say? 
I just you uh, should. No, 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 no. Just uh, you know, not everybody updates their phone. Oh, so you were trying to take credit for something? That... Yeah, I was, I was like, I, I haven't gotten a new phone in like two years. I just went to DamienDunn.com. I was going to buy it on air. It's already <laughs> <laughs> there's. I think there's an actor out in Hollywood that has. The oh name. man! Oh, I could buy DamienDunn.me <laughs> for three forty nine. I'm buying your name on the air. Okay. Enjoy. Oh, that's it. DamienDunn.xxx. <laughs> Nobody wants to I see that. I am buying that. Nobody wants to Damien see that. DamienDunn.solutions for 99 cents. I just buy the whole thing. I buy them all. Oh, my gosh. DamienDunn.moby. DamienDunn.fun. Not well. Oh, this is great. What a great program we have. I'm thinking these are new holiday gifts for uh, for the team around buy here. Just everyone buy everyone their buy domains, domains. And then redirect them back to my bio. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, well, if we're, if we're trying to parallel what happened, we'll you know redirect them back to our company store. Exactly. Like, like Let's go to that website right now. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, it's sure so enough. terrible. Sure Why enough. would you do that? D- does that... No. There's no... Man, way. I was like, don't judge people. I was like, I think you can observe things that seem really wrong. I'm not sure what the business case is to do that. Uh, okay, so all we... All you can figure is something went wrong in the relationship, and... Instead of uh, amicably parting, yeah. it did not part amicably. And so the way one person made this feel this right is to um, execute something that was in the contract. Yeah. Right? Totally. I mean, that, that has to have been what happened. It makes me wonder. I've never asked the person what happened because I didn't. It, it's none of my business, despite the fact that we're talking about it on the show. It makes me want to uh, be a caller on that person's live radio show and ask that question I just say i'm just curious why do i get redirected to you when i google this person's name oh man Boop. thanks you for think calling. you'd get hung up on oh yeah i don't i think they would hit the delay would never yeah you'd never know it they'd just cut it you could tweet them and ask that would get blocked no. yeah <laughs> you get blocked. No, ignored and blocked he blocks everybody Why am I doing? All right, give me a current event, and then we have a minute left. I don't know if you know there's a big game, big game happening this weekend. Yeah, sure. You know, sports betting is becoming legal in many other states. Our fine state uh, recently adopted it. Here's the thing: I don't have anything theoretically wrong. I don't have see. I I, like. I don't have a beef with the person in general. Yeah. Like I don't care, but that particular act seems petty. Like, I'm not, I don't feel like a rival. I'm like, oh, I don't like that person. I don't care about that. I just think that particular move is funny. It's I. It it's would, in the contract, though, probably. Probably, but still. Come on. It, it just seems like it's unnecessary. Isn't that like what, I don't know, like Taylor Swift's songs catalog yeah. are being, you know, they're Held. owned by yeah. Scooter Braun. Yeah. Scooter Braun. Yeah. Scooter Braun. I had made it a point to never say the word Scooter Braun, not because I have anything against him. It's just a weird Scooter Braun. It's... Right? You hold someone's catalog, right? Yeah. yeah. Or like Khalees came out in, this week and said that uh, 
Uh, Pharrell had her catalog holding it hostage. All right, that's all we have time for this week. Send you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. Why did I do this? I'm Pete the Planner. I'm